0: challenges, some sort of difficulties, and every church is the family of God. also has some family dynamics that are not quite as they should be, but families are given by God, and they're placed to provide love and develop skills and relationships, a place to develop an identity, a place of security, and the primary place where we learn about our faith and about God. I like what one kid said when a Sunday school teacher asked, why do you believe in God? And she got a wide variety of answers, but one little boy said, I guess it just runs in our family. And I hope it runs in your family as well. So Jesus is introduced to the world in the context of family, and this is a dysfunctional family too. It is not normal. And today we're going to look at Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and look at the family of Jesus, specifically Mary and Joseph. So this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give them the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Mary's a young woman, probably a teenager. We have several teenage girls in our church. And how many of our teen girls would be ready to raise God? They'd be like, raise God? I can't even drive a stick shift. so. <laughs> Mary actually could have been as young as 12. She's probably at the oldest in her early 20s. So she's a young gal, probably a teen. She lives in a small rural town. Most of us can identify with that. There's only one well in town, meaning there couldn't have been a large population, maybe several dozen, maybe a hundred. This is Lake Fork, Illinois. They're farmers and carpenters far away from the big city, small town 2,000 years ago. The people there are large part poor. This is not a rich community. It means that Mary's home was most likely, according to archaeological digs, about the size of a parking stall where we would park our car. And part of that house would be used to house the animals. Very humble circumstances. Mary would walk to the well and get water for her family. Very simple life. But she's coming to the big day. She has pledged to be married. She's engaged. Actually, it's more than an engagement. It's somewhere between an engagement and marriage in our culture today. The pledge to be married was actually a covenant and was considered so binding that if for any reason the marriage could not take place, a proper procedure of divorce had to be followed. So Mary and Joseph are essentially married, legally bound to each other, except for the physical consummation. Now, let's be honest about Mary. Most of us get Mary wrong. I mean, some make too much of her, and others make too little of her. For some, Mary is lifted up and exalted in this venerated position. Uh, She's been called co-redemptress, which means she aids in the process of salvation along with Jesus. She's been called the co-mediator. That means she helps mediate between us and God. But 1 Timothy says there's only one mediator between us and God, and that is Christ Jesus the man. And there's no footnote that says, and his mom. Okay, so too much has been ascribed to her, but some tend to make too little of her. Oh, we don't talk about Mary. That's what the Catholics do. Well, Mary's in the Bible, and Mary's presented arguably as the most godly woman, maybe the most godly person in the Bible after Jesus. And she's godly from beginning to end. There are stories in the Bible of women like Esther and Ruth and Deborah, and they were godly, but they all had some, some issues. And the portrait we have Mary is she was a godly little girl. She grew up to be a godly young woman and a godly older woman. There's no indication of, unre- of rebellion or unbelief like others in her family. She's presented in the most positive, exemplary way in the Bible. And we need to lift up Mary more than we do as a model, especially for women and especially for young women And particularly for single women. Because she lives a life of holiness and chastity before marriage and fidelity in marriage. That is the way to live. I think Martin Luther was the one that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, said that Mary should not be the object of our faith, but rather our example of faith. Jesus is our object of faith, Mary's an example. And here's what she was not doing. And I want our young ladies to hear this she was not using your single years as an excuse to drink date losers, sleep around, rack up credit card debt, and do things that dishonor herself and God. Instead, Mary spent her life preparing for a future that she was unaware of. She had no idea what was coming her way. And isn't that true for all of us? You and I, we don't know what the future holds and what God has in mind. When I was a teenager, I had no idea how life was going to turn out, and neither do you. So Mary is not aware uh, of her appointed position to be the mother of God on earth until... It actually happens. And I would say to single women and those younger women like our teenagers, our hope and our prayer for you is that by the grace of God, you follow in the example of Mary. And if you have sinned, like we all do, and done things you regret, and we all have, her son forgives sin, her son cleanses from sin, her son will help you be like her by the grace of God. Here's my question. Are you preparing today for whatever God may have for you tomorrow? When Mary realizes, I'm going to be giving birth to the Son of God, it's not like all all of a sudden she said, well, I'm going to give birth to God. I better start obeying God. I better start worshiping Him, and I, I better get to the synagogue. No. She's been doing that all along her whole life, and every indication is that she's godly from the beginning. And I've got to believe the reason she was selected was she was prepared. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. But prepare yourself today for whatever tomorrow might bring. She was worshiping. And studying scripture and obeying the Lord, maintaining her chastity and her integrity. And here's what she was probably thinking about her life. She thought, well, I'll marry Joseph and we'll be poor and we'll live in this small rural town and I'll stay home with the kids and fetch water from the well and he's going to be a carpenter and work hard and put food on the table and eventually we'll have grandkids and life's going to be simple. Nobody's ever going to know anything about us and that's fine. I don't want notoriety. We're just nobodies out in the middle of nowhere. And that's what she thought. She had no idea. And we all do that. We plan, here's how my life will go. I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to marry you know and all this. And, but we have no idea how our life is going to play out. So that's what she thought was going to happen. But whatever her future, she was ready. Walking with the Lord, preparing herself, being godly for whatever the future holds. You do that and you'll be ready. That's Mary. Joseph, verse 19. Because her husband Joseph was a righteous man... Now, he's the kind of man that you would want your son to be like. He's the kind of man you'd want your daughter to marry. He's a good man, humble, kind, faithful. Men, may we be righteous like Joseph. We don't know a lot about him, but if this is all we knew, that would tell us everything we need to know. It says, because he was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's the situation. Joseph has worked to prepare himself for marriage. This means he's, Taking a job. He's probably moved out of his mother and father's home. This means that he's taking responsibility. He's worshiping God, paying his bills. He's a man of integrity. He's good marriage material. And even though he's young, he's he's a responsible man. Now, now there's a myth in our culture that says something like this. Well, right now, while I'm young, I can act like an idiot, right? And, And then when I get older, I'll be responsible and I'll be wiser. And actually, both those are wrong. You don't have to be an idiot just because you're young, and you can get older and still be an idiot. Be foolish, you know. Getting older does not guarantee wisdom. So if you're young and righteous, you can be wise as a young person. Joseph is a man, and he's not using... A young man, he's not using his adolescence. And, and immaturity is an excuse to do it. Many young men do. He's not freeloading off his parents. He's not looking for a good time. He's trying to make a legacy. He, he's looking for a wife, not just a date. He's looking for family, not just pleasure. So he's ready to get married... That means Mary's family approves, by the way. They've looked at him and gotten to know his character and his work ethic say, yeah, he's good. Who wouldn't approve of this guy? It also very well can mean that the congregation of God's people, the synagogue of which they were part, also approved. This means that Joseph has presented himself as a worthy man. Maybe we as a congregation vote on people when they get married, before they get married. Let's look into the character of these two. Are they really ready? Yes or no? Now, we do have some guidelines and requirements here at the church because we want people to be ready for marriage. And even though we may not vote, there should be community and family affirmation. This is good. This is a good man. This is a godly prepared woman. You know, when Ellen and I started dating, everyone said to me, this is good, this is good. I just got all this affirmation. This is what you want. Ellen got some affirmation. Then there was something kind of warning her. But anyway, we want affirmation. Now, let's say Joseph is 18, maybe 19, 20 years old, and he's chosen Mary. Or maybe Mary was chosen for him. It's another story. He's probably known her since they were kids. He may have loved her since he was a little boy. He'd see her in the synagogue. He'd see her around town. Oh, there's Mary. And his heart was inclined toward her. And now they are legally covenant together as husband and wife, and there's a date set for the wedding. And everybody in town knows the wedding's coming because it's a small town. It's the most hopeful season of life. And then Joseph gets the most devastating news of his life pregnant. Mary, I see her sing to the Lord every Sabbath. She's memorized huge sections of scripture. I thought she was the godliest girl I'd ever met. I've been praying and waiting and preparing for life with her. She's pregnant. I have not laid hands on that woman. We've not yet consummated our covenant. She's pregnant. Now, this is 2,000 years ago in a conservative, rural, religious town where everybody's probably Jewish, and, and that makes it particularly devastating and scandalous. So, what's Joseph to do? Men, what do you do? When you get betrayed, what's the natural response? Joseph is looking at being divorced before he's even married. Because he's a righteous man, he doesn't want to destroy her even though she cheated on him. He doesn't want to shame her. He's not getting vengeance. He's not going to ruin her reputation. Now, there were provisions in the law that said that even during betrothal, if someone should commit adultery, it's punishable by death. If my spouse commits adultery, I want to kill her. Just be honest. Now, that clause was rarely enacted. But it did mean that he had the legal right to potentially have her done away with. But instead, he wants to protect her. And then something amazing happens. Joseph goes to bed, probably staining his pillow with tears. And the Bible says that an angel showed up and spoke to him during his dream and told him that this pregnancy was from the Holy Spirit. God has done a miraculous, supernatural thing. And the angel says that Mary is going to give birth to a son, but she has not sinned. And here's my question for all of us, and particularly you men. Men... Will you love and lead the family God has given you, even if it's not the one you envisioned? This was not the family that Joseph envisioned. His vision of the future was very similar to Mary's. I'm a virgin, she's a virgin, that means she's not pregnant, and we don't have to worry about the color of her dress on the wedding day. You know, No one's whispering during the ceremony. There's no questions about her integrity. We get married, we live this simple life, a quiet life in the middle of nowhere, and nobody knows about us. That's what he wanted, not what he envisioned. And let me say this to you, to you man. again. Most of the time, the script you have written for your future and family is different from the script that God will hand you. And you'll have to make a decision. Will I read the script that God has handed me, or will I abandon this one and go find another and hand her my script? Make sure you're a righteous man. Glorifying and honoring, following the Lord, loving. And if he should hand you a script that is different than the one you've written, you still be a godly Righteous man. This was not Joseph's plan because had Joseph been meeting with his life coach and putting together his seven year plan, you know, where do you want to see yourself in seven years, Joseph? Well, I see myself with Mary. She's got a great reputation, and our sons and our children will be adored, and, and no one really knows who we are. And we live this quiet country life. Well, Joseph, how about you marry a single mom instead? And how about even though she's godly and sinless as, as far as her sexual activity goes? everyone's going to think she's a tramp. And your wife's going to have a bad reputation, which is admittedly hard in a small town. And your son, they're going to say horrible things about him. And you're going to be the laughingstock of town because everybody's going to think it's a joke that your wife cheated on you and you, and, and told you that it was from God, and you're gullible enough to believe it, and now you're raising somebody else's son. This is not what Joseph envisioned. Will you lead and love the family God has given you even if it's not what you envisioned. Had I known she'd be like this, I would not have signed up. Had I known that the kids would be like that. Had I known that they would get sick, or I would get sick. Had I known what those in laws would really be like. Had I known that the sins of her past would haunt us in the present. Had I known that she would betray me or fail me, I would never have signed up for this. Joseph says, okay, small is hard. It's going to be hard, but I trust the Lord. I love the family and the situation I've been handed. If God should give some of you men a difficult place in life, maybe it's because God has entrusted you to a greater responsibility, and perhaps God didn't give this woman and his family another man because he wasn't sure that his daughter would be loved well or the children would be loved, raised well, except by you. Of course, this goes for women, too. We never quite get what we envision. What do they say? Men get married hoping she doesn't change, and she does. And then women get married hoping he will change, and he doesn't. It's never quite what you thought it would be. Now, had Joseph taken this as a burden, he could have become bitter. You know, why, why me? And instead, he took it as an assignment from the Lord. Joseph knew someone needs to love Mary, and someone needs to raise God, and I'll do it. Sometimes God sends the best man on the toughest assignments. And just because God has given maybe you a difficult assignment does not mean He's abandoned you. Maybe He's giving you an opportunity. Verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep... I love this now. Joseph, he shows great faith here. Sometimes the issue of faith... It's so theoretical and theological and complicated and nuanced. You know, what's Paul's definition of faith? What's James' definition of faith? And how does that fit into Abraham's example of faith? And it's good to study those things. But here's what faith looks like for Joseph. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did. He doesn't go into some enormous inner dialogue, and Joseph was considering all the various words for faith and the constellation of meaning and how it's used in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and, and how it finds itself in the Midrash and the Talmud and how it's used in secular literature and the Greek and, and, and the Roman world. And, and then he did a word study and he read seven books on it and then he met with a counselor and a therapist and he revised his life statement with his coach and his seven-year plan. No, he just did what the Lord commanded. Some of us think too much and do too little. Now, thinking is good. We could use more of that, too. But we really need more doing. Some of us say too much and do too little. I came to a realization a few years ago, and it never hit me before, but in the birth narrative, Joseph never says a word. He just obeys. He has no lines in this drama. The angels talk, Mary talks, the shepherd talks, the shepherds talk, the, the wise men talk, Herod talks, not Joseph. Every time you read of him... He's just doing what God told him to do. And sometimes I think God would appreciate less talk, more obedience, less theory, less self-justification, and just do the right thing. Now, what he's being asked to do is not easy. Marry the pregnant girl. Raise a boy that's going to be an oddball, a troublemaker. He's going to end up on death row. That's your life, Joseph. And most men would say, that's where I tap out, right there. Have life in a small town where your reputation and your wife's reputation and your son's reputation is destroyed and raise God? I didn't sign up for that. I'm out of here. That's what most would say. By the way, how do you raise God? What if you drop him? Or do you spank God? Do you punish God? You know, I guess those are questions for the next life. Luke tells us that Mary is four months pregnant at this point in the story. So they get married a little while later. So maybe she's five, six months along. So she's showing. And here's Joseph getting married. Doing what God told him to do, it says he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and she called his name. G- he, she called. It, he called his name Jesus. Why did he call him Jesus? He was told to. The angel said, "Call him Jesus. I'll do it." Again, just simple obedience. Now, some teach that Mary was always a virgin, never consummated her marriage covenant with Joseph. I think it was five thirty-three A.D. Uh, they got together and declared Mary to be semper virgo, ever virgin. She never physically consummated her marriage with Joseph. That's just not true. That's more of a religious ideology that says sex is gross. And so Mary would have never had a normal marriage with her husband. She wouldn't do anything so gross. Well, it's not gross. It's a godly, gracious gift when done according to the Lord, chastity, marriage, fidelity. It says here, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. It doesn't say he knew her not forever. The Bible elsewhere tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters, so we have to ask where they come from. The prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 does not say and the virgin shall be with litter. Son. One. And the other kids come in the normal way. So Jesus had mother, brother, and sisters. They had a somewhat normal family. And we don't know a lot about his early years. Luke 2.52 tells us Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He matured from baby to toddler to teenager to a young young man and then a than a grown man, he, he's without sin, he honored his parents, he studied the scriptures. It makes me also wonder, what would it be like to have Jesus as a brother? Can you imagine that? You're Jesus' little brother, little sister, and you're fighting, and Mary walks in, hey, what happened? And Jesus says, wasn't me, I'm perfect. Right? <laughs> what do you do, Mom? I, I'm, I'm sure it was James' fault. And, and what all this means is little kids can talk to Jesus about their stuff, because Jesus was a little kid. And teenagers can talk to Jesus about their stuff. And young adults and adults can talk to Jesus about their stuff. And he understands because he's been there. He was a toddler. He was a teen. He was a young man. Tempted in every way we are. Oh, he couldn't have been tempted like I, yeah. In every way. Jesus, like us. Emmanuel, God with us. So what's the circumstance you've been given? Or the family you've been given? This is not what Mary and Joseph signed up for. They both prepared for themselves, for whatever may come, being faithful and holy and, and integrity and being honorable. They thought they knew their future, but they didn't. And neither do you. Joseph takes on a family he never signed up for. Mary takes on a responsibility we cannot imagine. But I love her words when she was told about the pregnancy. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May be to me as the Lord has said. And I pray that'll be your response, our response to God's hand in our lives, whatever our circumstance, whatever the curves God throws at us. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as the Lord has said. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. We thank you that we can call you Father. and Thank you for adopting us as your kids, making us a part of your family. And I thank you for for Mary and Joseph and the example they set for us. It's hard for us to imagine to imagine what they were going through. But they submitted to your will. And I pray, Lord, we will all find our peace and our rest in that. We pray this in Jesus' name.